Amen. If you have your Bible today, we're in James chapter 4, verse 6. The title of my sermon today is Humility and Happiness Go Hand in Hand. If you found it, let's look at it together. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, grace, of course, is the power that God gives us to change, to become more like him on a day-by-day basis. The Bible says the key to that power in our life is to be a humble person. Uh, The Bible says that the biggest hindrance to this power being in our life is the wrong kind of pride, a bad pride, if you will. When I'm full of pride, I think I've arrived, I think I'm great, I think I'm wonderful, you know, I probably couldn't improve in any possible way, you know, then we're on the wrong track. Then we cannot change because we think we have already arrived. When I'm humble, I have the power to change. There are two kinds of pride mentioned in the Bible. There is a good pride, you know, of that. Uh, You have self-respect. We want everybody, of course, to have that. Uh, We want to have dignity, of course. We all want that. We can have satisfaction in a job that we do that is well done. There's nothing wrong with being proud of what you have accomplished. There's also a joy in seeing others succeed. You know, as we watch them do their job well, we can have a, a pride for them. All of that is very, very good. But there's another kind of pride that I'll just call the bad pride. And uh, that is what we don't want to have. That is when we are just very conceited. You know, we think we're great and we probably couldn't improve in any possible way. This is when egotism takes over our life. This is when selfishness is right there in front of us all the time. This is an attitude of superiority. You know, we're really better and know how to do everything better than everybody else. That is a bad kind of pride. Now, this morning in our text, uh, the kind of pride that we're talking about is this bad kind. So as I go through this, remember the difference between the good pride and the bad pride. There are a lot of uh, folks in our world today that are big stars. You know, they Maybe are great singers and they've moved into stardom. Uh, maybe they uh, were on the athletic field. They were a big star and everybody in the country knows them. You can just mention one word and you know exactly who everybody's talking about. Maybe you were a star in business or a star in art or a star in knitting or whatever it was. Well, a lot of people today uh, that have become stars have forgotten humility. Uh, They just left that totally uh, behind somewhere. I read a story about a United States senator that is a good example of this. The story goes that uh, as he was leaving Washington to go back to his state, the flight attendant came up to him and said, uh, fasten your seatbelt. And he said, "Uh, ma'am, I am a United States senator. 
I have so much power, you wouldn't believe it. When I talk, people jump. They just want to know how high they should jump. I'm like Superman. And the flight attendant said, well, uh, Superman doesn't need an airplane. So fasten your seatbelt. Now let me ask you, how many of you would say that you know or have met somebody that is just unbelievably full of themselves? Can we count them on one hand? Pride is is very easy to see in other people, this wrong kind of pride. It's harder to see in ourselves, isn't it? The Bible says that the bad pride causes all kinds of problems in our life. Roman 1 this morning, how does pride cause problems in our life? Well, it prevents me, first of all, from growing. It prevents you from growing. I think if I had had it all together, then I don't have any motivation to grow or to develop or to change. If you don't think you need this message on pride today, then guess what? You're the very person (laughs) that needs it. Proverbs 26.12 says, There is more hope for a fool than a man who is wise in his own eyes. Pride causes me to deny that I have any weaknesses whatsoever. Pride says, if I knew my faults, frankly, I would uh, work on them, but I, I can't think of any. I don't think I have any. Well, that kind of attitude is this bad pride that we're talking about this morning. If I have marriage problems and refuse to talk to anybody about it, then that's a kind of bad pride. When I have financial problems, or family problems, when I am not cutting it at work, or I'm not cutting it as a, as a parent, that is a bad kind of pride. Uh, we won't let anybody come in and help us with the issues that we're facing. We would rather look smart uh, than be smart. Uh, the way for you to be smart is to ask the Lord to help you be humble. One of the ways you can tell if you have uh, too much pride is to ask yourself, am I teachable? If you're not teachable, then you've moved beyond the good pride into the bad pride. Number two, bad pride poisons my relationships. Because the root of all conflict and disharmony is this bad pride. When we act out of pride, we have a tendency to be demanding and unsympathetic with other people. We become obnoxious and rude. Have you ever seen real, real proud people ordering a waitress around, just giving the waitress a terrible time? You know, many times the problem is not the one that the waitress has, it's something that went wrong in the kitchen. Or the food didn't arrive for that particular dish. Or one of the waitresses didn't show up, and so this waitress has to cover twice as many 
tables. But we don't consider that. Uh, We are just primarily interested in ourselves and in the service that we're getting. And if it's not perfect, then we give the waitress a hard time. The Bible says in Proverbs 13.10, pride only breeds quarrels. I've seen this uh, come about in marriages. The root of so many marriage problems is just plain old pride. Matthew 7.5 says, Take the log out of your own eye first, and then you can see the speck in your brother's eye, and you can help him with that. What Jesus is saying is when I refuse to admit that I'm a part of the problem, then it causes pride and harmful relationships. It's uh, not good. The key to reconciliation is to simply swallow your pride. Uh, Do you want to go back to a healthy relationship? Sometimes to do that, you have to swallow your pride. Swallow your pride. That's the thing. Folks, let me tell you something. Swallowing your pride is not fattening. Uh, Not in any way. Number three, pride produces stress and anxiety. Why? Because you worry so much about your image. How am I coming across? That's the main thing that you're thinking about. The politicians have spin doctors that help determine uh, how they're coming across on TV or in meetings or uh, in the newspaper or whatever. We're living in a time when labels are so very, very important. It is not as important who you are as what you're wearing in many people's minds. Why are we that way? It's because of this bad kind of pride that we're talking about. We work harder on looking right than doing right. Have you ever noticed uh, when the United Nations uh, meet and we see all the people coming in, all the delegates from all the different countries, the folks that come from real small countries somewhere in the world, they come in and they have on these real bright Uh, outfits, you know, these real, maybe it's a soldier's outfit, and on their chest they have just rows and rows of medals. They feel a little bit insecure, and they want to kind of pump themselves up a little bit. So they wear all these wild clothes and all these medals, whereas the presidents from the United States and Japan and Germany, they come in dressed moderately because they're very secure. Anthony Campolo in his book, The Seven Deadly Sins, says this, Pride can destroy those people that we love the very most. The pride of parents can lead to the destruction of their children. People are out to prove that they are better off than anybody else. They often use their children to achieve this goal. We'll never know how many children's lives have been made miserable by being pushed so hard to achievement by their parents. The kids are almost about to have a nervous breakdown. Children who are driven to psychological exhaustion by the academic achievements that their parents, their parents want them to have so much primarily to enhance their own status. Sports are ruined for many teenagers because the omnipresent parents 
always there, keep pushing their children to gratify their own ego needs. Beauty contests for teenage girls, and even girls younger than that. It takes very little analysis to discover that the parents are nurturing their desire to achieve success through their children. You see, pride can cause depression. If I'm trying to live one image, and inside I know that I am different than that image, I'm going to get depressed. I may fool you, but I really can't fool myself. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 5, Happy are the humble. Humility is the mark of emotionally healthy people. Just like the bad pride is the mark of an emotionally insecure person. So today, I want to talk with you about how you can be happy and humble. Remember, humility and happiness go hand in hand. Roman 2, how can we be happy and humble? Well, number one, we can admit our mistakes honestly. Uh, Some of you have heard about the teenage boy that uh, went in and admitted to his sister. He said, you know, I am guilty of the sin of vanity. His older sister said, well, how could you be guilty of the sin of vanity? And the younger brother said, well, every time I get around a mirror, I just want to go get, I just want to get right in front of it and look at myself. And every time I do that, I say, what a hunk. (laughs) The older sister said, that's not a sin. That's just ignorance. Some of us say when we confess our sins to God, uh, we have a very short time period because we can't think of any. Uh, We we just can't bring any to mind. Humility starts with being honest about our weaknesses. Number two, I evaluate my strengths realistically. The bad pride is based on a false evaluation of ourselves. Humility is based on truth and realism. Romans 12.3 says, Don't cherish exaggerated ideas of yourself or your importance, but try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities. Humility does not mean running yourself down all the time. I don't believe that. Humility does not say, Poor me, poor me, I'm no good, I am nothing, I am dirt. Uh, Some people think that's spiritual. I think that's crazy. That is not spiritual. That is wrong to have that kind of view. You are something. Jesus didn't die for dirt. Uh, He did not die for worms. He died for people. Humility is not denying your strengths. Humility is being honest about your weaknesses. The very fact that you have some strengths is obvious. You get them from God. You're very, very talented in so many different ways. Humility is being honest about my weaknesses and realistic about 
my strengths. I heard about a little girl that uh, went into an ice cream parlor and she ordered the biggest plate of ice cream that they had. And the waiter said, now little girl, are you sure that you can eat all that ice cream? And she said, uh, oh yes, oh yes, I'm much bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Pride is when we think we are much bigger on the outside than we are on the inside. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 4, each man should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. Here he is talking about the good kind of pride the self-esteem, the satisfaction in life. Those are key things. He said that you can take pride in yourself for a job that is well done. But notice the danger here. The danger is is that you compare yourself to someone else. There's two things that go wrong there. If you get with somebody that's doing the same thing you are and they're doing it ten times better than you are, you get discouraged. You know, and, and you start feeling badly. If you get in a group and, and you're doing it better than anybody else, then you start thinking, boy, I'm hot stuff. I can, I can do this better than anybody. And we become just filled with this bad kind of pride. Let me ask you this. In our nation where society is built on competition, is it easy to avoid comparison? No, it's not. It's real hard because everything in life teaches you to compare yourself. When you're a kid in school, you're trying to make an A. When you're on the sports field in high school, you're trying to win. When you're in the business world, you're trying to get the most sales. You see these uh, beautiful cars on TV, and you say to yourself, I don't have a car that nice. You know, I want a car that nice. And we start comparing. We see the house down the street or in the next neighborhood, and we say, you know, that's a nicer house than I. I want a house like that. And we begin comparing ourselves. We we need, really, to take pride in who we are, what you are and what God is doing in your life without comparing yourself to someone else. How can you be humble and happy? You can admit your weaknesses honestly, and you can look at your strengths realistically. Number three, enjoy my successes gratefully. 1 Corinthians 4 7 says, What are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God has not given to you? It all comes from God. Why do you act like you have accomplished all of this on your own? You say, well, listen, I built this business with my two hands. Well, who gave you those hands? Or I built this business on a great idea that I had. Well, who gave you your mind? Who gave you your time, your talents, your energy? Where did it come from? 
came from God. How many of you chose the chromosomes of your DNA? Uh, not, not anyone. Uh, did you choose them? Absolutely not. How many chose where you were going to be born? None of us did. How many of us chose our parents? None of us did. Those things are all out, totally out of your control. What you have from your brains to your looks to your uh, eagerness, all of that is a gift from God. What you do with what you have with your uh, abilities is the gift that you give back to him. Uh, that's, that's what we need to do with the gifts that he's given. So many bowl games are on TV around the first of the year. I love that. You know, the best teams play together and they go out and give it their all. Have you noticed that after those bowl games on New Year's Day, that many of the players gather at the center of the field and they get down on their knees and they pray and they thank God that they weren't hurt and they pray for those perhaps that were hurt. They thank God for the ability that they have. They thank God for the future that's in front of them. Uh, that's the way it ought to be. The Bible says in James 1.17, every good gift, every perfect gift, comes down from the Father above. I think we should also remember our roots. We need to remember where we have been and where we have come from. The roots, the things that God has done in our lives way back then. When you get uh, very, very successful at something and you think, boy, I have arrived. Good night, I'm number one in this company. I'm the best lawyer in town. I'm the best salesman in town. I have the nicest this or that in town. And we really, really start telling everybody about it. You want to remember the lesson of the whale. When you get to the top and you're ready to blow, remember that's when you get harpooned. Number four, you want to serve others unselfishly. I don't know if, if you have noticed or not, but on the covers of a lot of magazines recently, there have been uh, all these stories about the rise of depression in America. Uh, weeks ago, there was a publication that said, studies find that depression is at epidemic proportions in young adults. The rate of mental depression in the United States has risen dramatically over the last 30 years. People born in the last 30 years face 10 times the risk of major depression than their grandparents did. Isn't that incredible? What is it that causes that? The research says that they trace the epidemic of depression to historical and cultural occurrences which exalt the individual. Depression is the result of this me generation that keeps going on. I don't have to care about anybody else. Have you heard that? What's in this for me? I, I have to do what is best 
for me. How do I look? Do you know about my goals? Do you know about my dreams? Do you know about my desires? Plain old pride and selfishness are causing this depression that is rampant all across our country. A man wrapped up in himself, as you have heard, is a very small package. We want a remedy for the depression. Then serve others unselfishly. God says in Philippians 2, 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, considering others. Look not to your own interests, but also the interests of others. What does that mean? It means that real humility is not thinking poorly of yourself. It is thinking more about the other people. Number five, humble myself voluntarily. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Notice that humility is a choice. It's something that you do. This morning, would those that are in the house like to do this? Like to come and as was said in the prayers earlier in the service, uh, give your heart and your life to Christ. Are there those in the house today that have been visiting with us for a period of time and you'd like to become a part of this church family? We want you to come and join with us and be a part of our family. Be a part of of our Sunday school program that is such a great program for getting to know Christian friends well and growing in the grace of God. Today, if there's a decision that you'd like to make, just humbly slip to the aisle, slip forward, and take a stand for the Lord Jesus in these moments. Let's stand together.